We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. We've got a lot to break down today, most of it centered around the Bradley Beal trade, sending him to the Phoenix Suns. Look, we look at everything through purple and gold lenses here on the LakersNation.com podcast. So, you know, we're going to take a look at things from the Lakers perspective. What does the Bradley Beal trade mean for the Lakers, their pursuit of Chris Paul? What does it mean for their roster build? What does it mean for the Western Conference? Lots of stuff to dig into here revolving this crazy trade and then we're going to open up the mailbag take some questions and comments before we get into everything though uh, i do need to mention that we are coming up on the deadline for our contest we've got the contest to could see you with the opportunity to join us in studio in las vegas for summer league summer league starting up july 7th our contest it's going to run through draft day we'll announce the winners on June 22nd, which is coming up very, very quickly. Draft Day will announce the winners of our contest. All you have to do is shoot me an email, trevor at mediumlargela.com, of yourself talking Lakers basketball. Show your stuff. Break down whatever topic you want in regards to the Los Angeles Lakers. Send me your video in an email. We're going to pick a few people to come join us out in Las Vegas. So, again, if you're going to Vegas already, you're going to be there for Summer League. This is your opportunity to hop in, join us in a professional studio at Blue Wire Studios at the Win. Be on camera with us on our show on the podcast. Again, shoot me that email with your take on the Los Angeles Lakers, Trevor at mediumlargela.com. That's where to send your audition. All right. Lots to get into. Oh, I should mention the deadline to do so is midnight on draft day. So draft day is June 22nd, midnight Pacific time. On June 22nd, that's the deadline. I'm going to announce a few hours after that. It'll be into the day on, on the 22nd. I'll announce the winners that are going to come join us in studio in Las Vegas. We'll also take the winners out to lunch and do that sort of thing as well. It's going to be a good time. So come hang out with us in Las Vegas at Summer League. Again, this is if you are already planning to be there. All right, let's get into this whole Bradley Beal situation and what happened? Obviously, there was a lot of talk going on around this trade. It pretty much took over Father's Day, right? This was this was all we were talking about. Keith Smith and I even did a live front office show breaking down all the ins and outs of this trade. But effectively, the Phoenix Suns are getting Bradley Beal for nothing. <laughs> I mean, not not much 
is going to the Washington Wizards. Uh, this is an absolute disaster for the Washington Wizards. I mean, a massive disaster for them. And there's a lot of things that we're going to get into as far as why. But essentially, the no trade clause appears to have really just destroyed uh, the Wizards in this trade because Bradley Beal picked the Phoenix Suns. That's the way that this has been reported, is that Beal met with three teams, met with the Bucks, met with the Suns, met with the Miami Heat, and decided he wanted to go to the Suns. He has a no trade clause. So if Beal said, I don't want to go to the Heat, I don't want to go to the Bucks. I won't waive my no trade clause to go to them. That leaves the Wizards with just one team to trade him to, and that's the Phoenix Suns. And Phoenix, unfortunately for Washington, doesn't have anything really to trade. And so that was the unfortunate part. And then you add in the no trade factor really comes into play with DeAndre Ayton. Now, again, there's been some reporting on this, but DeAndre Ayton, the way that it's been worded, I can't say this is 100% confirmed, but the way things have been worded so far makes it sound as though DeAndre Ayton could have been in the trade, but then Beal wouldn't have waived his no-trade clause. Essentially, Bradley Beal told the Wizards what the trade was going to be because if the Wizards were thinking, hey, we can get a young big in DeAndre Ayton, okay, let's do that, Beal went, what do you mean? Oh, no, 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 I want him in Phoenix so that I can go play with him. So he can't be in the trade. I won't waive the no trade clause unless he's not in the trade. So now what's being sent to Washington is Chris Paul, and this may matter for the Lakers. There's going to be some pick swaps, um, and that's going to be about it. Maybe some second rounders get in there. We'll see when the final details are, are presented. But Washington really, really found themselves in an incredibly tough spot, and they did it to themselves. Again, this is a disaster for the Washington Wizards. They did this to themselves by giving Bradley Beal a no-trade clause, by giving him that giant contract. They took their most valuable trade asset and they made it worth the whole lot of nothing that the Phoenix Suns are going to send to Washington. Now, Washington does have the opportunity to clear their books a bit with this, and so that's certainly helpful to them moving forward. That could be something that's important, but to not get any real draft capital of note or anything out of this, um, not a good day to be a Wizards fan, that's for sure. And it is important to distinguish, too, these are two different front offices. The current Wizards front office is not the front office that gave Bradley Beal this deal. That didn't, they didn't give him the no-trade clause. That was the previous regime. This one was stuck trying to clean up the mess. And Bradley Beal, man, if this played out the way that it did, Bradley Beal did the Wizards zero favors on his way out the door again. I'm sure we'll have more detail on this, on exactly how this went down at some point. But the way it appears for now, again, maybe this changes, but again, the way it appears for now, it's that Bradley Beal pretty much made sure the Wizards were getting nothing uh, in return. Like if he had if he had said, hey, I'll go to any of these three teams, that at least gives the Wizards some bargaining power, something to, to turn to. Um, I'm surprised the Wizards didn't even just say, well, you know what? No, we're, we're just not. This is ridiculous. We're not going to do this. Um, I get it. They were dead set on clearing future salary, and maybe that will pay off for them. But, ooh, that's going to be rough. Um, Chris Paul is going to the Washington Wizards. He cannot go back to the Phoenix Suns. So that is a suitor gone from uh, the Chris Paul sweepstakes. I mean, we talked about this, that potentially if the Suns had waived Chris Paul, if he, they didn't stretch his salary, he could return to the Phoenix Suns. They could sign him to a new deal, save some money that way, and he could stay in Phoenix, which was reportedly 
his first option, but instead he's going to go to the Washington Wizards. Maybe. Now the Lakers have been linked and they've been a team that's been mentioned as, as one that will have strong interest in Chris Paul, but it sounds like the Clippers are going to try to stop Chris Paul from ever getting to the Lakers. Now I would imagine CP3's own um, preference is going to matter here. Like if he was, if he told the Clippers, do not trade for me, I do not want to play for you. I'm going to go play for the Lakers. It would be surprising for the Clippers to go ahead and pull that trade anyway. I would imagine that if Clippers are going to pull a trade like this, um, they would have some indication from Chris Paul. Like, yes, this is something that I want to happen here. But the Wizards are very, very unlikely to keep Chris Paul. What they're going to do is they're going to waive him by the June 28th uh, deadline to do so. They're going to get rid of him in order to, again, free up that future salary. He's not going to stay with Washington. But what Washington's going to try to do is they're going to try to retrade him. That's why this may turn into like a three-team trade. Maybe it's executed in two different trades. But regardless, the outcome is going to be that Chris Paul is not going to stay with Washington. So now a team like the Clippers can come in and trade for Chris Paul. And that would be a way to, number one, prevent the Lakers from getting Chris Paul. So that's not ideal. But number two, it would give them a point guard to turn to. So the way that they would do it. So why can't the Lakers just trade for Chris Paul then? Why can't you just send Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba and trade for Chris Paul? And there you go, right? Chris Paul is probably going to have like 25 or so million of his contract guaranteed. So why don't the Lakers just take Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, put those two salaries together, trade him for Chris Paul, throw in a second rounder or something if you have to, and off you go. That's what the Wizards are going to try to do. They're going to try to get a second round pick or something like that out of whatever team they eventually trade Chris Paul to, recognizing that he's not going to have a lot of value. Everybody knows they're going to waive him, but if he gets traded somewhere, they can at least get a little something. It's better than nothing, right, out of it. Um, so why would the Lakers not do that? So the Lakers are going into this offseason with Mo Bamba and Malik Beasley probably not coming back, at least not on their current deals. Both of them, I think, are unlikely to return. If anything, at most... One of them comes back on their contracts. Malik Beasley owed $16.5 million next season. And then you have Mo Bamba at $10.3 million non-guaranteed. Uh, Malik Beasley being a team option. So the reason why the Lakers wouldn't just trade those guys for Chris Paul is those salaries are not really on the book. They're on the books, but they're not for next year. The Lakers, when they're going through their planning process, they're not fi figuring on having those salaries on their books, right? If you have... Malik Beasley, if you have Mo Bamba on the books, that 26 million and change, almost 27 million on your books, well, that's going to make it less likely for you to, you to be able to use your full mid-level exception because you use your mid-level, it triggers a hard cap at about $169 million. Your biannual exception would do the same thing, trigger a hard cap at about $169 million. So if the Lakers are planning on using their mid-level, then they're not going to want to have the salaries of Mo Bamba, Malik Beasley, just eating up space, right? That's a lot of $27 million. That's a lot of space that's being taken up. So I would have to imagine that the Lakers are going to decline both of those. At most, they'll keep one of them. If you turn those salaries into Chris Paul, though, then those salaries are locked onto your books. They're locked on that salary, that Chris Paul salary, that's locked onto your books. So what it would look like is you would have Look, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, Max Christie, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, I'm guessing about what those two guys would make. 
that's about $121 million in salaries right there. That's for six guys. Not mentioning the draft pick, not mentioning some of the other guys, D'Angelo Russell, what are they going to do with him? No Lonnie Walker, right? No mid-level exception. None of those other things in there. $120 million for those six guys. If you have to pay Chris Paul, let's say it's $20 million, $25 million, what you've got to pay him. Okay, well, now you're at $155 million. You definitely, for seven players, definitely can't use your mid-level exception, right? You're not going to be able to use that. Add $12.2 million, you're already at the hard cap. Uh, you're done, right? So you can't use your mid-level exception. Maybe you could use a taxpayer mid-level, $5 million, that puts you up to 160 eight roster spots. You still have, though, that's another six roster spots you still have to fill. Even on minimum salaries, you're getting real close to it, so you're definitely not going to be able to use your biannual exception. The bottom line is the math becomes very, very difficult, and that's not even bringing back D'Angelo Russell, right? That's not bringing back Lonnie Walker. That's not having your 17th pick. All of these things that the Lakers are going to have to make decisions on, you'd have to just say, oh, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Is that worth it all for, for Chris Paul? No, probably not. Where it's worth it to have Chris Paul on the roster is if you're paying him a veteran minimum. You're paying him $2 bucks. Okay, yeah, sign me up, right? No problem with that. But Chris Paul at $25 million for the Lakers, that's a totally different story. You're not interested in that. That's crazy. You don't want to pay that. Why is it different for the Clippers? So the Clippers are deep, deep, deep into salary cap hell. It, they are one of the teams that the NBA put in their crosshairs, and we're going to talk about this in a minute too, that the NBA put in their crosshairs as far as stopping them from spending, right? That's what this new CBA is all about. It's about stopping these big spending teams. And we'll talk about how punitive this new CBA is in just a minute, but the Clippers are already so far over Right? They're so far over this cap that if they were to take a couple of their contracts, um, let's say it's Marcus Morris. Let's say it's uh, who's on an expiring $17 million contract. Let's say it's Marcus Morris and Robert Covington, who's on an expiring contract is going to pay him just under $12 million. Or maybe it's Nicholas Batum, $12 million, Right, Expiring contracts. You pay for Chris Paul, who's going to be on an expiring contract. What's the difference? You're already, they're already, the Clippers, already blown past. Like, not close. They're over 200 million. They're way past the new, don't call it a hard cap, but it's kind of going to effectively be a hard cap number at 179.5 million. That second tier apron the Clippers are already way past it, and there's nothing they can do this summer to get them below it. It's not going to have nothing realistic anyway that they're going to do to get below it. So they're just resigned to their fate. Okay, we're we're not going to have a taxpayer mid-level to use this summer. So if it's a $25 million expiring contract for Chris Paul, and you can turn Marcus Morris and Robert Covington, or Nicholas Batum and Robert Covington, whatever, a couple of your... your Guys that were not great last year, you can turn those guys into Chris Paul and it's still an expiring contract. Why not? 
why not do that? It doesn't change your spending power moving forward. It doesn't change what else you can do this summer because you can't do anything this summer anyway. You're limited to minimum salaries. So for the Lakers, it would drastically change what they could afford to do elsewhere with their roster. For the Clippers, it doesn't change anything because they're already so deep into the tax that it's not going to change anything. So that's why that move might make sense for the Clippers. For the Clippers paying Chris Paul $25 million, it doesn't really matter. It's, would we rather have Chris Paul or would we rather have Robert Covington and Marcus Morris? If the answer is Chris Paul, okay, toss a second-round pick to the Wizards and there you go. That's why, that's why this may go down that way and the Lakers may once again be denied of the opportunity to get Chris Paul by the Clippers. It's like we're caught in a time loop. Isn't it back in the day, back in the day when that what a mess of a decision by the NBA basketball reasons to deny the Lakers trade for Chris Paul and suddenly he gets handed to the Clippers. That could be the way this plays out again. Very, very different circumstance, but that's probably the way this will go down is Chris Paul winds up with the Clippers and not the Lakers. Now, again, if no deal comes to fruition with the Clippers, if nothing makes sense and Chris Paul gets waived then the Lakers could wind up being that landing spot for him. We'll see. But for now, for now, it does seem like it might make sense for the Clippers to just go ahead and trade for Chris Paul on his current salary rather than let him get waived and then try to sign him to a minimum contract or something. They can keep him on this salary and trade a couple of guys that maybe they don't think are going to be part of the rotation much this season for him and go get him. Now, one of the fascinating things, if this does happen, what does that mean for Russell Westbrook, who seemed like he had found a home with the Clippers? Obviously, he would not be back. Maybe he's already got options. Maybe Chicago or a team like that that needs a point guard might be after him. And that could mean there's a domino effect on the market, too, for the point guard position, which could matter for D'Angelo Russell, right? So all of these, this is interconnected. But in terms of the Chris Paul pursuit, it's not dead for the Lakers, but the Clippers suddenly popping up as an option and being a team that maybe wouldn't care about actually paying Chris Paul on his current salary, that could be a game changer, which could ultimately lead to the Lakers not getting, not getting CP3. So where does that leave the Lakers as far as the rest of this? Well, it means that you've got to look at your some other guards that you could potentially bring in. We could talk about Dennis Schroeder, who's an incumbent with the with the Lakers. D'Angelo Russell, does that cement him coming back? Do they look at some other guards in free agency? Javon Carter is one of my favorites to potentially target Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, he will be out there on the market. Do they target him? Lots of different things that they could look to do. But it now seems, because of this Bradley Beal trade and because of the amount that's having to be guaranteed of Chris Paul's salary being sent to Washington, he could very easily get rerouted to the Clippers. And it's at the point where that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen. If it doesn't, Maybe the Lakers are able to get in there. But to me, for a moment there, it seemed more likely that Chris Paul was going to wind up with the Lakers. The, the Wizards were certainly going to wave him. But the Clippers now coming in, it makes some sense from their from their side, from their perspective, to try to do something like this and add Chris Paul to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Mike, has there ever been a more injury-prone group put together? But who knows? It, it could certainly work. We're going to pause for just a moment to talk about game time. 
Ticket buying can be a very stressful experience. Personally, I am always trying to make sure that I'm getting the best deal, and that's not always easy to know. You have to go fully through the checkout process. Sometimes one app will say one thing, another app won't give you the final price until the end. It is a nightmare, but buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and a best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time. You have some friends that want to go do something, grab tickets on game time. Game time, the guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their best price game time guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You even get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LakersNation for $20 off Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk a little bit about what this means as far as the cap goes and everything though, because this also matters for the Lakers. You know, I did a show, what, a week, week and a half ago, where I broke down why I think the superstar model, the three-star model anyway, is about dead in the NBA. And now the Suns go and do this. And look, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I get why they did it. Right, this kind of fell into their lap. Like Bradley Beal decides he won't go anywhere else or decides he wants to go to the Suns. And you can essentially give up nothing, nothing you were planning on keeping anyway. They were going to waive Chris Paul anyway. And you can turn that into Bradley Beal. Like, of course, you kind of have to do it at that point. But now this is going to be a very interesting test. I explained on that show why with the new collective bargaining agreement, it's so unlikely that we're going to see teams pursue a big three model anymore. It's extremely unlikely. That's why for the Lakers, I think moving forward, if we move into a post-LeBron era at some point, and if you decide to keep Anthony Davis, it's Anthony Davis and go bring in one other star. The two-star roster build will probably be the preference. But again, the Suns kind of had this fall in their lap, but they are with Aiton, Chris Paul, uh, I'm sorry, Aiton, Durant, Beal, and Booker. I mean, that's a formidable team, right? But with those guys on the books, they're almost right up against the super tax as it is. That second tier, that $179.5 million, they're just about there. And they're committing to being over it for years, for at least the next few years. So what that means is for this season, it means no taxpayer mid-level exception. The rest of their roster with the exception of their own guys, like they could pick up Cameron Payne's money. Uh, but the rest of the roster is going to have to be veteran minimum guys. And this is what's surprising about the Suns doing this. Again, I don't fault the Suns for doing this because this does kind of fall into their lap. And I mean, if you can get Bradley Beal for that price, you okay, we'll kind of do it and just deal with the consequences down the road. But for the Suns, we saw in the playoffs this year that they didn't have depth. And that really hurt them. 
not having the depth that they needed, they're still not going to have depth. Now, I think keeping Aiton was critical, though. If they can split DeAndre Aiton, they can trade him. And next year, the penalties for being so far into the tax are going to get even more punitive, right? This year, it's okay, no taxpayer mid-level. You can't trade. Um, you, you can't sign anybody using that. You All you have is veteran minimums to sign somebody. Next year, I mean, not being able to aggregate salaries in a trade, not being able to add cash to a deal, not being able to, uh, in order to kind of sweeten a deal, not being able to take in more money than what you send out in a trade. Um, not like not when you're draft picks, you're, you're not being able to trade a pick seven years from now, that pick becomes frozen and you can't trade it. So you can't use that. You can't sign players on the buyout market. So somebody great player gets bought out a veteran ring chaser and wants to go sign up with the Suns. They can't do it. They can't do it. The NBA is going out of their way to try to restrict teams like this from building out competitive rosters. That's what this is all about. So the Suns, I think, will need to take DeAndre Ayton and find a way to turn him into two or three guys to try to round out their roster. Because again, right now, they've got Cameron Payne. I guess they can bring him back. Beal, Durant, Booker, Ayton. That's kind of it. Right, they, I mean, they can try to bring back their own guys on veteran minimums. I'm sure they'll probably get a few ring chasers here or there. But in terms of building out a roster, this will be a very interesting study on whether or not the NBA truly stifled the three-star model. They did everything they could to try to stop it. And the Suns are saying, hey, we're going to go for it anyway. And again, I don't fault them. But they're saying we're going to go for it anyway. And this is going to be informative for the Lakers. This is going to be informative for the rest of the NBA. Do the Suns wind up with a team that has three injury-prone stars in Booker, Durant, and Beal and nothing around them? Is that the way this ultimately goes? Because if it does, the Suns don't have control of their picks till 2029, 2030. They're all gone. They all, well, not all gone. They're all either pick swaps or they go to the Nets every single year. That's a very scary place to be in if this does not work. So that's now going to be, this is now going to be the test. We'll see what happens. The Suns are going to be extremely restricted in terms of how they build out their roster and their ability to add talent will be extremely restricted. My goodness, if Kevin Durant gets injured, if Booker gets injured, if Bradley Beal gets injured, and these guys tend to get injured, they're not going to have much to jump in for them, to fill in for them, unless they find a way to split Aiden up into a few other contracts. And again, with those trade restrictions coming next summer, that's all the more reason to move Aiden right now. So the Lakers are going to be watching. The Lakers are going to be watching this and seeing what happens to this team that is clearly going against what the league wanted with the new collective bargaining agreement. I'm not saying they're doing anything illegal, but the league did not want this to happen. Did not want all the talent on one team, right? They don't want these team-ups anymore. They want the talent diversified. They want parity. They want the Western Conference that we saw this past season where teams are engaged all the way through the end of the season. Uh, fans are engaged all the way through the end of the season. Everybody's in the mix for the playoffs or the play-in. Everybody feels like they've got a, sh a shot. They're going for it. And you want situations where an eight seed 
like in the East, makes it into the finals, right? Where it's not just a 73-win warrior sitting at the top and everybody else just kind of biding their time waiting for that team to drop off. That's not what the league wants. So this is going to, and that's that style of build is kind of in the Lakers' DNA. That three-star build is what the Lakers historically have tried to turn to. Chasing stars is what they do. So you know they're going to be watching what happens here with Phoenix. They're going to be watching. Are they able to build out a real roster? Do they trade DeAndre Eaton this summer and turn him into a couple of more players so they've got six competent players in their rotation instead of whatever they're going to have right now? Are they able to add any defensive pieces? I mean, my God, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. Like Durant used to be a really good defender. He's not quite the same level anymore. Are they going to stop anybody? It, it's going to be interesting to watch. Again, the new CBA was set up to stop this. And before it's, I mean, the teams don't even have all the paperwork yet on the new CBA. And the Suns are saying, we're going to go for it anyway. And they needed to because Bradley Beal kind of fell into their laps. But the Lakers, the rest of the NBA, they're going to be watching to see what happens here with the Phoenix Suns because their ability to build any kind of a roster around these guys is going to be extremely restricted for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it, it could be interesting. If this does not, look, the Suns could win a championship with this team. That's possible. And if they do, they will say, it's worth it. This is all worth it. If they don't, if they start suffering injuries, this could be catastrophic for them. This could get bad very, very quickly too. High risk, high reward situation for the Suns. By the way, Bradley Beal still has that no trade clause. So if this starts going south and the Suns say, okay, well, we want to flip Brad Bradley Beal to try to get some assets for him, still dealing with that no trade clause situation. He gets to pick where he goes. And we saw what just happened to the Washington Wizards as a result. Okay. Um, I've also had some people asking, well, why didn't the Lakers just get in on Bradley Beal? Because the Wizards clearly were prioritizing uh, having the books clear moving forward. And yeah, you've got expiring contracts in Mobamba, got an expiring contract uh, in Malik Beasley you could throw in. But again, that's $27 million. That's not enough. Then you got to throw in a sign-and-trade for D'Angelo Russell. He's going to want a multi-year deal. If D'Lo doesn't want to go to the Wizards, if the Wizards don't want D'Lo, they don't want to take on any long-term money, all of that kind of nixes it. And of course, none of that even matters if Bradley Beal doesn't want to go to the Lakers. If he prefers the Suns, that's it. It's done. There's nothing they can do because of that no trade clause. So that's all of that is why you wouldn't have seen the Lakers involved in this. Even though I've seen a lot of Lakers fans that are frustrated that, oh no, you know, the Suns just went and got a really good player. They got him for essentially nothing and, and all of that. The This exact circumstance is very unique. Bradley Beal has the only no trade clause in the NBA. So don't expect to see this type of situation pop up again. I think teams will avoid no trade clauses like crazy. Again, they're not, they're not common anyway. But anytime the potential of a no trade clause comes up moving forward, this will be the precedent that teams will point back to and they'll go, uh-uh, look what happened to the Wizards. We are not giving a no trade clause, period. So I don't think we're going to see any no trade clauses again in the foreseeable future. Nonetheless, the Lakers, it wasn't really an option for them to get into the mix here for Bradley Beal. Now, there is more fallout here, though. For example, the domino effect of Beal being traded 
also means that Kyle Kuzma is not going to stay with the Wizards. Everything we've heard, it's done. Kyle Kuzma is no longer staying with the Wizards. And this is this is interesting because it was, what was that, February? When the Rui Hachimura trade went down? Late January or February? And at that point, the Wizards effectively decided to keep Kuzma over Rui Hachimura. That was the decision that, that was made, right? With that move, was we're keeping Kuzma, Rui, it's gone. They give Rui Hachimura to the Lakers for three second-round picks. Thought that worked out pretty well for the Lakers. Now we'll see what the Lakers do to re-sign Rui Hachimura. But now, though, it's a new front office. And Kyle Kuzma's already been linked to the Lakers. I'm not expecting it to happen. I'm not expecting it to happen. And here's why. So the Lakers, best case, they're going to have their mid-level exception to use, $12.2 million. That's not enough money to get Kyle Kuzma. It's not. He's going to get a contract starting somewhere between $20-25 million. He's turning down this offseason a player option for just over $13 million. This is the original contract the Lakers gave him. Um, or not the original, the second contract the Lakers gave him. So Kuzma's turning down $13 million. He's not going to take a $12 million offer from the Lakers. So that means then in order for the Lakers to get him, they would have to target him via sign-and-trade. And by the way, a lot of teams are going to target Kyle Kuzma. He's got a skill set that's in high demand. But the Lakers would have to do a sign-and-trade with the Washington Wizards, which would trigger a hard cap for the Lakers. Not the worst thing in the world, but what are you going to give up to Washington that they want in order to sign-and-trade Kyle Kuzma? I know people look at Washington and they say, oh, well, Washington just gave up Bradley Beal for nothing. So that means Kuzma should cost nothing. Kristaps Porzingis should cost nothing. It's not a fire sale by Washington. They were stuck. And again, I'm surprised Washington didn't just say, nope, sorry, Bradley Beal, you're going to have to be part of a rebuild then if you're demanding that we not include DeAndre Ayton in the deal and we have to trade you to Phoenix and all that. Cool. Now you're going to be part of a rebuild for us. Um, but it's such a different situation. Kuzma doesn't have that no trade clause. That's not the way this is going to play out. So what do the Lakers have that the Wizards want? Are there other teams that are in on Kyle Kuzma that might want to sign a trade for him? So again, I'm not expecting to see Kyle Kuzma back with the Lakers. Not to mention, if the Lakers are planning on keeping Rui Hachimura, how much sense does it make to invest more assets into essentially that position and that role? I mean, that's effectively what the previous Wizards uh, regime decided against was Rui Kuzma, they kind of sort of do the same thing, play the same position. Why keep both of these guys? We have to pick one. They pick Kuzma. But now everything has changed with the new front office in Washington and they're going to be tearing this thing down. So they're not even keeping Kuzma either. I don't think, I know the Lakers have been linked to him. I don't think it makes a lot of sense for the Lakers to bring Kyle Kuzma back just because the hoops they're going to have to jump through to get there. But nonetheless, he has been linked to the Lakers in some rumors. And so it's something worth keeping an eye on. Now, Kristaps Porzingis, another domino effect. He probably now opts in to his $36 million deal and the Wizards find a trade for him, the team getting him would then have bird rights on him and could pay him moving forward. Could the Lakers get in on the Kristaps Porzingis trade talks? Um, yes and no. Kristaps Porzingis, if he opts in, it's $36 million off the top of my head. Again, the Lakers, you've got Malik Beasley, you've got Mo Bamba. That's $27 million. That's not enough. That's not enough. 
So with that being the case, again, we're talking about a sign and trade with D'Angelo Russell to make up the difference. And does Washington want any long-term salary? No, that's what we've seen. So even getting to a Kristaps Porzingis trade would be pretty difficult for the Lakers. Now, again, there's some other salaries you could throw in there. Maybe you toss in Jared Vanderbilt, who's $5 million, just shy of that. So next thing you know, all right, you're going from $27 million almost to $31. Okay, you're getting a little closer. Like, There's ways that you could probably get there, but do you really want to give up the stuff that you're going to have to in order to get to, say, a Kristaps Porzingis or something like that? Again, those are the questions that the Lakers are going to have to answer. It's not as as clean. Uh, again, if you we want to get into the Kuzma mix, you can talk about Vanderbilt added to some of these guys or something. But is it worth it for the Lakers to do that instead of just, hey, we're going to use our full mid-level exception and go try to find somebody with that, like a Nas Reed or someone along those lines? That's going to be the question for the Lakers. And the more I look into it, the more difficult it seems like it would be to get Kyle Kuzma, to get Kristaps Porzingis. Not impossible, could happen, but... These are some of the now unexpected players that will be out there in the market that could shift things quite a bit, right? Kuzma being in the market, that means somebody, maybe it's not the Lakers, but somebody's going to trade for him, which means that team that trades for him is now not going to target somebody else who they would have had Kuzma not been on the market, had, had the Wizards kept him. All this stuff is connected. And the Lakers are going to have to navigate it. This situation, this summer, it's going to move very quickly. We've got the draft coming up. All kinds of moving, moving parts. We could see Damian Lillard out there uh, in the trade market. Within, I mean, could be happening now. Conversations could be happening now with with Lillard, maybe to Miami. We'll see. But there's always going to be some ripple effects from these kinds of moves, and the Lakers are going to have to navigate those waters very carefully and react to what's going on. All right. Last point on this. I've already talked about double the amount of time that I'd planned to on this topic, but. If you listen to the show, you know that tends to happen sometimes. Um, the last point on this, knock it off, Western Conference. What are we doing here? Why, why does this keep happening? So the West, you look at the Western Conference. You had two teams who were tanking in the West, Houston and San Antonio. And I've talked about this before. Now, San Antonio is getting Victor Wembanyama. You know, I mentioned this on Twitter, and I had a bunch of people respond, what, San Antonio doesn't matter anymore. Wembanyama is not turning him into a playoff team. No, it's not about them being a playoff team. It's about them not being an easy win anymore, right? I'm not expecting San Antonio to make the leap into being a playoff team just by getting Victor Wembanyama. He's going to be really, really good, though. And I think it makes it less likely that they are an easy win on a Tuesday night in January like they were last season more difficult teams to deal with in the West. Not saying they're a playoff team, but I don't think they're the gimme win that they were. If Houston gets James Harden, and I'm not saying James Harden is the MVP caliber guy that he used to be, but if they get him, that signals that they're going to go into a more win-now mode, which means they could take some of these younger players, cash them in, and next thing you know, you've got a Spurs team that's getting better. You've got a Houston Rockets team that's looking to get into the mix. And Bradley Beal with the Suns. You add Bradley Beal and Victor Wembanyama to the Western Conference, and we haven't even really kicked off the postseason? Wow. I mean, I said postseason. I should be an offseason, but we, we kind of need... It, it would help the West if Damian Lillard were to move to, say, the Miami Heat or some other Eastern Conference team. We are on the precipice of going back to 
the Western Conference being up here and the Eastern Conference, as we called it, being down here, right? Talent moving from East to West, not ideal for the Lakers. The West was already just this crazy dogfight last season, and so far nothing has happened to alleviate that. In fact, it's going to be even worse next season. Now, still going to be a ton of parity in the West, I think, and a lot of teams are going to be in the mix, but a lot of teams being in the mix also means there's not a lot of sellers out there on the market. And so teams like the Lakers are going to have to do their absolute best with their draft pick, the draft capital. Do they trade back with it? Do they trade up? Do they trade out of the draft? What do they do? What do they do with D'Angelo Russell? What do they do with Malik Beasley and Mobamba? Do they turn around and trade those guys? All of these decisions, they're going to have to get right because the West is not going to get any easier. All right, I am going to get into the mailbag in just a moment. But first, let me give a shout out to our sponsor, and that is Oakley. Do you run, golf, train, just want to look like your favorite athlete? For example, Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, Justin Jefferson. I hope I get him on my dynasty team. Uh, Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Uh, Oakleys are the sunglass brand for summertime. Go ahead over to oakley.com. Check them out. My favorite are the Holbrooks. They just have a very classic look. But Holbrooks, I like them a lot. But pick out your own style. Figure out what your style is. What is it that you really like? Plenty of options over at oakley.com. They offer prism lens technology. What is that? It's proprietary technology to Oakley to uh, and available for everyday settings as well. If you want to know more about it, again, head over to oakley.com. Do your own research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. All right, let's get into our mailbag. We've got a few questions and comments coming in from uh, one of our recent live shows. So let's finish off the show with this. Question says, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan, can give us 17 to 20 points per night we can count on. We need that, right? Can you comment on the Super Chat above about the Lakers draft pick playing time? So I'll talk about that. That was a comment that came in towards the end of our show. But DeMar DeRozan, expiring contract, making $28 million for the Chicago Bulls. In theory, the Chicago Bulls need a point guard. Could that be a landing spot for D'Angelo Russell? Could you do a sign-and-trade D'Angelo Russell for DeMar DeRozan? Let's say you give D'Angelo Russell a deal starting at $25 million. If the Bulls are willing to do that, you ship Russell to the Bulls, you take DeMar DeRozan, off you go. You don't even trigger a hard cap. Don't even trigger a hard cap because you're not receiving a player in the sign-and-trade. You're sending out the player who's being signed-and-traded. Now, if DeRozan was the one being signed and sent to the Lakers... That would trigger a hard cap. And I know the NBA's, look, the rules in the NBA collective bargaining agreement, the rules for making trades, the rules for signing players, it is so complex. And so I understand if so, at, at some point, I know there's a lot of listeners, a lot of viewers who just throw their hands up and say, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. There's all this kind of crazy stuff going on. I wish they would simplify it a little bit too, but nonetheless, we are here to try to help you through all this. Just remember, in a sign and trade, in terms of triggering that hard cap at 169 million, which again, I don't think is the worst thing. For the, it's not the end of the world 
the Lakers trigger a hard cap, but it matters if you're receiving the player who's being signed and traded, not if you are sending out a player in uh, that you are signing and trading to another team. So it's the Chicago Bulls who would be hard capped in that scenario. You know, I can see the reason for or the rationale behind going for DeMar DeRozan. His contract would end after this year, which means it would line up with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who both have options in the summer of 2024. So if the Lakers want future flexibility, you would get that more so than you would with D'Angelo Russell. And you can argue the fit on the floor. Look, uh, DeMar DeRozan does a nice job operating as the ball handler out of pick and roll. He certainly can score quite a bit. But, and look, I, I like DeMar DeRozan. There were fit concerns back when the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook about DeMar DeRozan, and a lot of them were similar to the Russell Westbrook fit concerns. Doesn't shoot the three well, needs the ball in his hands, right? Not a great defender. Very different players, but we had we voiced some similar concerns. That hasn't really changed, and if you look at where he's been successful for the Bulls, DeMar DeRozan's been playing power forward for Chicago. On a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, how often is it that the Lakers are going to want to play a six foot seven DeMar DeRozan at power forward. Probably not often, which means most likely we're seeing DeMar DeRozan at small forward, right? That's, that's where we're going to see him. Well, here's the problem. You go over to cleaning the glass and DeMar DeRozan, look, he played small forward quite a bit for the Bulls. He didn't, he started at power forward, but he actually played 68% of his minutes at small forward at small forward. He ranked in the 37th percentile in points per possession. So how efficient is he on the offensive end? 37th per, uh, percentile. He ranked in the 47th percentile overall at his position at small forward. Overall, offense, defense, net rating essentially. 47th percentile, according to Cleaning the Glass. Rated in the 86th percentile at power forward. Like DeMar DeRozan can still be very, very good, but he kind of needs to be power forward in order to do it and again on a team with lebron with anthony davis how often is he really going to be the power forward so that again i'm not saying you don't trade for demar Rosen. it's just something to consider i don't know that he's the best fit given the lakers current roster is he a do you get more bang for your buck than you do with d'lo depends do you believe d'angelo russell is the guy we saw in the western conference finals or is he the guy we saw in the regular season if he's the regular season guy you stick with d'lo if you think he's going to be that Western Conference Finals guy that just disappeared, go get DeMar, by all means. Now, the second part of this, um, Laker draft pick playing time? It depends. I mean, People have made the case that why would the Lakers keep the pick because the 17th pick? Because that guy's not going to play much anyway. It depends on the player. Now, we don't have a long history with Darvin Ham to know what exactly he does with rookies. We know Max Christie didn't play a lot for the Lakers this year. He actually appeared in like, what, half their games? Which is a decent amount for a second-round pick. For the 17th pick, is he ready to play? Is that guy ready to step on the floor right now and contribute? If the answer is yes, then he probably plays him. But the answer tends to be no with rookies. So people have made the argument, well, that guy's not going to play much anyway, so why not just move the pick? Why not trade the pick? Depends on what you're getting for it. I think there's going to be some really good players there at 17. Could you move back a few spots and pick up a player that could help you now and still have a guy for the future? Maybe. But as far as Lakers draft pick playing time, we don't have a long history with Darvin Ham to know what he plans on doing there. 
We know Max Christie, who again was 19 years old for the bulk of the season, spent some time in the G League. And look, we we saw some flashes of him playing well defensively. We saw flashes of him shooting the ball. He shot better than 40% from three. But that was also on a very limited sample size. I like Max Christie a lot. But it's not normal for rookies to be just part of the rotation from day one, especially guys that are taken in the second round. It takes a little while for guys to get their legs under them, for them to figure out the NBA, to get used to the pace of play, to get used to the system. All those things take time. I don't look at Darvin Ham and say, oh my gosh, he's anti-rookie. Why bother drafting a rookie for this team? He's never going to play. Every rookie is going to be different. And if a guy comes in that they think is ready to play, they're probably going to play him. With Max, I know we all wanted to see more of him. But sometimes developing a little bit slower is the right thing. And I can't wait to see what Max Christie has in a few weeks in Summer League at Las Vegas. All right, DJ. So outside of bringing back Rui and Austin, is the free agency goal a starting center? Or what realistic starting center do you guys want? Like Brooke Lopez. So I think the free agency goal, one of the goals should be a center. I don't know if it's going to be a starting center or not. I think it depends on who they get. Can you convince Nas Reed to come over if you offer him a starting job? Maybe. Maybe that's the route they go. But if you're looking at a, if it's Mo Bamba that you get, if it's Christian Wood that you get, are those guys starting or are they coming off the bench? If it's Mason Plumley, is he starting or is he coming off the bench? Plenty of things to wonder there. Now, if you, Brooke Lopez, I think about him the same way that I think about Kyle Kuzman. I'm not saying Brooke Lopez is getting 25 million. He's probably not getting quite that much, but I also don't think the mid-level exception is enough to get him. He was a defensive player of the year candidate, shoots great from three. He's big, protects the rim. 35 years old, if he would take a mid-level exception, I would sign him to that immediately, despite being 35. I think he'd be a great fit with the Lakers, ironically, because the Lakers had him. He wanted to come back years ago, and the Lakers said, no, thank you. We don't want you. Unfortunate decision there by the Lakers. But nonetheless, if Brooke Lopez would say, yes, I'll play for the mid-level exception, do it. But that's actually a pay cut for him compared to what he made this year. I can't see, based on the way he performed this year, I can't see Brooke Lopez taking a pay cut. If anything, he's going to get a pay raise from somebody. From somebody, he's going to get a pay raise. So I don't think Brooke Lopez is a realistic option because of that factor. But if, if he's got the Houston Rockets offering him $14 million and that's the best offer he's got, and the Lakers come in with 12.2 and an opportunity maybe to win and he's willing to take that, you do it. Absolutely, you do it. But otherwise, I think you're going to be looking at a lot of centers who are either backups or are situational starters, where if it's the right matchup, they start. But otherwise, we're back to Anthony Davis starting at the center position. Um, now, if you bring in somebody, let's say it's Plumley that you bring in, he could still play minutes with Anthony Davis, could take some of that that physical toll off of Anthony Davis. Same thing with Christian Wood. Same thing with uh, any of the other guys that are out there. Mo Bamba, I wish we got to see him with Anthony Davis. But I actually did a video on this for Lakers Nation earlier today. Uh, but I think that a, the goal for the Lakers is to get a center, a true center that they can rely upon. Does that guy start? Does that guy not? I think that is the part that's more up in the air. And that will depend on who they get and just how the rest of the roster shakes out. 
Mamba mentality. We're playing fantasy here. With the Lake, where the Pacers give you all that for 17. So talking about what 26, 29, I think that's what the Pacers got in 32 for 17. Most likely they would ask for Max and our second as well. LOL. Yeah, look, if the if I'm the Pacers and I want to move up to 17, I don't know if I'm giving up all three of my picks. Maybe I'm offering two. Maybe I'm offering 26 and 32 for 17. And if that's the case, it depends on who's there. depends on how the draft plays out. I think if the Lakers are going to move back in the draft, a lot of that's going to have to be determined on draft night. Who goes where, right? Does Kobe Bufkin jump up and go into the top 10 or something? Does Derek Lively? What happens with Jordan Hawkins? What about Bryce Senzabaugh? Is he still sitting there? And it looks like he's going to be there at, say, 26 or something. There's a lot of other guys that they're going to be looking at. So... I think what the Lakers do on draft night, a lot of it will depend on what happens heading up to their pick. I think that's the position they're going to have to be in if they are going to move back. And then that's going to determine what teams are willing to pay. For example, let's say the Pacers love Jordan Hawkins and the Lakers, let's say they don't love Jordan Hawkins, but they also think they really like Chris Murray. They really like Jet Howard. And these guys are all on the board still. And somebody else that we thought was going to go later has already moved up. And next thing you know, the Lakers are looking at the way things fall out. And they're like, well, man, the way this is is falling out, we know one of Chris Murray and Jet Howard, Bryce Senzaba, one of these guys is going to be there at 26. And we like those guys just as much as Jordan Hawkins. Again, I'm not saying that's the way they actually see things just for the argument here. So if we get to pick 16, say, and the Lakers are almost on the clock and the Pacers call up and they say, hey, 26 and 32, and the Lakers say, well, we we kind of like Jordan Hawkins. Maybe the Pacers then say, oh, well, all right, we'll give up. Instead of 26 and 32, we'll give you 26 and 29. Maybe that, right? It depends on who's there. Depends on how the draft falls. And I think that's how the Lakers are going to have to play it. And that's unless something else happens, right? That's unless something happens before the draft where they can attach the pick to a player. They attach 17 to Mo Bamba and you trade out and you go get somebody. You go get Alex Caruso or something or you do uh, the pick plus Buddy Heald. Uh, I mean, 17 and Malik Beasley for Buddy Heald, which by the way, if you're going to do that, you actually have to wait until the calendar flips to next season. Because Buddy Hill's contract actually decreases next year and Malik Beasley's increases a little bit and they can't be traded for each other this season. You have to wait until next season. So you would have to still, you could still execute it, but uh, the Lakers would have to pick for the Pacers. Pacers would pick for the Lakers and the trade couldn't be executed until after July 1st. But nonetheless, it's going to depend on how the draft plays out. Uh, Mark Allen said, Kuz Gafford for Beasley, Bamba, and one or two seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You're taking on some salary in Gafford. You're at least, if you are the Wizards, then your value is you're clearing a little bit more future salary in Gafford, but maybe they have Gafford as a guy they want to keep for the future. I don't know. And then Kuzma, they're at least getting something out of him by getting some second-round picks. I would imagine, though, given the contending teams that would be interested in Kyle Kuzma, somebody would beat that offer. Somebody would offer a first. You know, something would happen there. Uh, Ed Carter, are we really planning on playing a drafted player any sort of minutes this season? Okay, so I already kind of addressed this. Um, 
didn't use Max a lot last year, so I'm wondering how valuable these process, prospects are for a very important year next year. That's why I wonder, because the Lakers scouting department does a tremendous job. They find talent late in the draft. But that, what Ed is talking about here, that, look, the Lakers didn't play these guys a lot anyway. And remember, it's not just we need to win right now. You also want to keep LeBron happy. That's why, to me, trading back makes a lot of sense. Because then you get to do both things. Let's say you turn Malik Beasley and 17 into Buddy Heald and 26. Let's say you do that. All right, then, scouting department, work your magic. Find somebody for us at 26. Here you go. Hey, LeBron, we got you Buddy Heald to kick the ball out to. You get to do both. You get to do both. Now, maybe you don't get a guy the caliber of the player you get at 17, but you get to do both things that way. I think that's got to be appealing for the Lakers. Davion Howard, do you guys think the Pelicans would try to keep our pick in the next two years just to stop us from a chance at drafting Bronny? Um, it, so keep the pick in 2024 just to prevent the Lakers from drafting Bronny? I don't think so. I think they're going to look. If they think LeBron and Anthony Davis are leaving in, in next summer, 2024, they're going to request that the that they take the Lakers 2025 pick instead of 2024. Remember, they have the option. They can take the Lakers pick next summer or the summer after. And that's it. That's the end of the Lakers' obligations to the Pelicans. It's done. 2024 or 2025, that first-round pick goes to the Pelicans. They get to pick which one they want. So if the Pelicans think LeBron and Anthony Davis are gone after next summer, they will want the Lakers' 2025 pick because the assumption will be that the Lakers will fall off. If not, maybe they do take the 2024 pick. We'll see. I don't think Bronny and preventing the Lakers from drafting him is going to have anything to do with that, though. Method Money, ideal 2023-2024 roster. Chris Paul, Beal, Rui, LeBron. Well, obviously, it's not going to be Bradley Beal. Uh, easy run to the championship. Uh, Jonathan Reyes finishes things off for us. Chances of making a trade on draft night, I think they're fairly high. I think they're fairly high. I think there's a lot of reason for the Lakers to look at a lot of different moves here with the 17th pick, and it would not... I think I would be... I'm not going to say a deal is definitely going to happen, but I would be... Not surprised if it did. I'm going to say like I'm 55% they do something, 45% they don't. Okay? So again, I'm not going to be surprised really with either outcome. And it's impossible to predict right now because so many things are up in the air. So many things can change. One phone call can change all kinds of things. Teams are going to be right now just reeling from the Bradley Beal situation and trying to figure out how to react to that. So everything is so in flux that... This can all change very, very quickly. But right now, I think it's more likely than not that um, they do something on draft night. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today's show. I do want to appreciate everybody for coming on here. Join me if you're coming on from the YouTube channel. Make sure you are subscribing. Turn on those notifications as well. You know, we're going to keep you up to date on everything going on with the world of the Los Angeles Lakers heading up to the draft and then getting into free agency after that all the way through Summer League. Again, turn on those notifications. And then, of course, over on the podcast side, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts, make sure you give us that rating and review. Great way to help out the show. All right, everybody. Till next time, stay safe and see you.